The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning, Springs Church. If you are here with us regularly, welcome. If you are here visiting, if you're gathered and joining us online, I want to say may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be on you this morning. Here at the Springs, we are a church that's being transformed in the image of Christ so that anyone can find their way to God. And as Eli said earlier, we do that in three ways. We gather in the name of the Father so we can grow into the image of his Son and be sent and go by the power of his Spirit. And so we pray about those things. And if you notice, the gather, grow, go rhythm of our life is centered around the life of God, God the Father, God the Son, in Jesus. This is what Christians proclaim, and this is why we gather, why we grow, and why we go, because of God. Quick announcement before we get started in our Word of the Lord series. Uh, Tonight is our back-to-school carnival. It'll be from 5 to 7 p.m. There's going to be lots of events and lots of things going on. There is a rumor that there is a dunk tank tonight, And there is a rumor that a certain preacher will be in the dunk tank. And so, uh, depending on who you think it might be, either Brett or I, I'm not going to tell you which one it's going to be, that you could come with all the revenge you want to get back at us for preaching too long or not liking our sermons or whatever. And, you know, I'll be up there praying and, you know, getting baptized in a dunk tank. I guess it'll be me. All right. So please join us tonight from 5 to 7. We're in a series that we, we always do every year of the Word of the Lord. And this is where we, uh, Brett and I, this is a practice not only for ourselves, but for, the, for our congregation, where we participate uh, in the lectionary text. And so one of, that, one of the things that means is, is that Brett and I don't choose this. The text choose us. And we say, what is a word from the Lord to these people that are here today? It's also a practice that the the readings that we've read today, the scriptures that we've read, and the text that is preached is being read and preached by Christians all around the world. And it's a reminder that when you come here this morning, while this is an intimate time for you, between you and God, you are joining in something that is bigger than yourself. And that's part of what it means to be a Christian, to be swept up into the life of God and God's people. So if you would, this morning, as we read our text from Isaiah 51, 1 through 6, we stand for the reading of of God's word this morning. Isaiah 51 says this. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. Lord, the Lord will comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make the deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. 
Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation is on the way. And my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. And all its inhabitants will die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as always, for your word we give you thanks. For we know we cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. And so now at this time, as you speak to us, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to follow. Give us lives and bodies that will obey. And God, as always, I ask for the gift of preaching. It's in the name of of your word to us, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I remember waking up, and the phone was ringing. It was very early in the morning on the West Coast in September of 2001. And I went out, my brother turned on the TV to buildings in New York City burning. And then we watched them collapse. And the world changed. Soon, there wasn't, didn't feel like there was much safety and there was a war on terror. That's the way it is. September 2008, I remember a Friday, the world was normal. And then come Monday, that September, we hear the news that Lehman Brothers Bank had collapsed. And it began the financial crisis. That even though while I was living in Uganda at the time, we felt this global financial crisis all around the world. The world had changed. That's the way the world is. And then I distinctly remember March 11th, 2020. We were all going about our lives and it really hit this point because of where we live that the Oklahoma City Thunder, their game was canceled that evening because someone on the team had gotten COVID. And that for me marked the beginning of everything getting locked down. There was sickness and death. 
Everything got canceled. And that's the way it is. Maybe you've got that phone call. That employment, your employment has ended. Or a relationship has failed and has broken. Maybe you've gotten that phone call that someone you love is sick. Or even worse, that someone you cherish has died. And the world changed. And that's the way it is now. It's just the way it is. That's the way it is. I've heard that phrase all my life. And I'm sure you've heard it too. And it's not a, a, a phrase that we take lightly. We use it all the time. Hey, this is how the world works. This is reality. It's the way it is. I say it to my kids. Hey, this is the way it is. Because what is most real to us is what is real. And it's difficult, we say this is the way it is because it is difficult to imagine the world differently. I'm sure Israel knew this phrase as well. It's the way it is. It's a phrase that at least one whole generation knew and said over and over and over again because in 597 BC, the Babylonians came and they took captive Israel. They sacked Jerusalem and Israel lost their place, their home. They were dragged off into slavery, into exile the temple was destroyed, and so in a real sense for them, God's presence, they had lost that too. At least it felt that way. It seemed that way. And I'm sure with like any invasion and exile, people's lives were lost. They lost, they lost loved ones. I mean, the amount of loss in exile is immense. There's loss of security, there's loss of identity, there's loss of the future, and the biggest thing that's lost in Israel, it's hope. And this exile lasted for something like 60 years, an entire lifetime. And so you can imagine Israel and the people living through this, there comes a point where they say, it's the way it is. It's just the way it is. And it's almost impossible to imagine something different. Albert Einstein once said famously that imagination is more important than knowledge. 
And when the prophets come to us, the prophets don't just come to us to tell us something that we should know. I mean, of course, there's something in the prophets they want us to know about the world. But what the prophets do more than anything else is that they don't just come and say, here's what you need to know. They come and say, here's how you need to imagine the world. And part of it, we know that because the prophets often write in poetry, and poetry is about imagination. Can you imagine something different? So the book of Isaiah is kind of divided up into two parts. The first part of Isaiah is chapters 1 through 39. It's about the prophet helping Israel imagine the judgment that's about to come on them. In fact, Isaiah 39, 5 through 7, it says this. If we go to that slide. It says, Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all uh, that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. To which Hezekiah responds, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Actually, he does say something like this. Hezekiah responds to this very thing at the very end of Isaiah 39, and he says, the word of the Lord is good. He says it's good. But then he goes on to say, and I know there will be peace and security. In other words, he hears these words from the Lord, from Isaiah. And he can't imagine it to be that way. The world is the way it is. This is the way it is. But then if you just turn the page over to Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 1, there is a shift. And Isaiah says this. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Because now in chapter 40, they're in exile. They cannot imagine the world differently before, Hezekiah couldn't imagine someone coming in and taking all his stuff and taking all his children into exile. He's like, no, it'll be security, peace. No, come on, this is, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. And then there's a chapter break, and it's almost like a completely different book. Because now they're in exile. And he says, comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Because now Israel is in exile and they've been in there for a while and they can't imagine life outside of Babylon. It's the way it is. But Isaiah comes beginning chapter 40 with this radical invitation to imagine the world And he does this. 
when we finally, when we get to chapter 51, that there are certain verbs that he uses that are very important to imagination. He says this. He says, listen, look, look. Listen and look and look. If you didn't hear anything else today, hear this. God is saying, listen. God is saying, hear, O Israel. Hear. Listen. And then he's saying, open your eyes that we may have eyes to see what God is doing in the world. Look. In 51, 1 and 2, it says this, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you are cut. Look to the quarry from which you are taken from. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave you birth. Because when I called them, when I called him, he was only a man, and I blessed him, and I made him many. He says, listen to you who seek after righteousness. Some translations actually say, listen to you who seek after deliverance. And there's actually a debate on how to translate this because these two words go together because God's deliverance is righteous. It's good. It is right. That righteousness and deliverance, at least in this context, go together and you cannot separate those two things. In other words, another way to probably trans this, translate this is to say all God's people, listen. All of you who are looking to God to make all things right. If you, that sounds like you, listen. Then he says, look. Look where you come from. And he uses this rock or stone metaphor. And I think it's appropriate because whatever potential there may be in rock, there is no inherent life in a stone. There's no room for growth, really. It's just there. And from Isaiah's perspective, it seems like immovable, this rock. The stone doesn't have any power on its own for It is only God's work and God's power that brought you about. That's what he's saying. He says, look, look where you came from. You were nothing. You had, you had no potential no life in and of yourself. No room to grow by yourself. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, by God's mighty power, he cut you and made you into something. But then he says, look at this. Look what God has done. This is the evidence. This is how you became something out of a stone that was nothing and you became something. 
This is how you became something. Do you remember your father Abraham? Do you remember your mother Sarah? Abraham was as good as dead. And Sarah, because she couldn't have any children, was basically dead. That's what the text says. That's what the story says. And he says, out of something that was nothing, that had no potential for growth, no potential for life, that you couldn't move, that couldn't do anything about, God did something. He made life possible. And from this unpromising beginning, the Lord produced children, numerous as the stars, and the sand by the sea. By the way, I've just been to San Diego recently, we went to the beach, there's still sand in our, you can't get rid of, there's so much sand. They just followed us back to Oklahoma. It's awesome until you can't get it out of your clothes or your, ba- or your bag. That's the metaphor he uses. It not only produced children, it produced a nation. It produced kings just as God had promised. And then he says this. Listen Look, look, because I, God, I will comfort you. God will act decisively to restore and rehabilitate Jerusalem, he says. Earlier in Isaiah, the prophet talked about judgment and anticipated exile and imagined Jerusalem as a wasteland and a wilderness and a desert. Now there's this mighty inversion of that where he talks about the places that seem to be no place for life and no place to dwell are now comforted and blessed like the Garden of Eden. They exude the wondrous power for life. And it says the response to that, the reality of that will be joy, thanksgiving, And you won't be able to help it, but you're burst out into song. Even if you can't sing. Made me think, as I scroll through on my social media, there's a lot of advertisements going on. Have you noticed, if you scroll through social media, the advertisements about debt relief? There's a lot of talk about lots of debt in the United States, personal debt credit card debt and there's I don't know what these companies are you can explain it to me after after church I have no idea if they're good or bad but they have these images where someone applies for this debt relief and then it shows them receiving the news that their debt has been canceled or whatever I don't know what's going on but you see them grasp and start jumping up and down and start it's joy it's thanksgiving I have no idea about what's really happening in those commercials But that image comes to mind when I read Isaiah. It's going from a life that has no potential to a life with life. Then he says this again. The second part, beginning of verse four. He says, listen, listen, look so we have three listens and three looks 
Isaiah 51 verse 4 says this. Listen to me, my people. God says, listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. And my justice will become a light to the nations. I will bring my deliverance swiftly. And my salvation is on the way. And my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me. And wait in hope for my arm. Listen to Yahweh. And then when it says listen again, it's like this, give heed to. Pay attention. Deeply, deeply consider this, that God's teaching will go out and God's justice will be light, not only for you, God's people, but for all people around the world. Everybody. And it talks about God's arm. God is putting this is what it means when he uses this metaphor. It talks about one arm and two arms and God's arms. It's God's putting everything he has, all his energy, all his strength, all his might, all his attention, and all his power into this deliverance. That's what he's doing. I've been asking students for many years. I've talked about this before. I teach a class at Oklahoma Christian Evangelism Discipleship. And I, I have this um, exercise. They do theological worlds where it kind of divides into five different worlds of primary concern and then kind of the resolution about how Jesus addresses concern. Well, for most of them, you would recognize there's one world of guilt and condemnation. And that's what the church is mostly focused on. But as they do the kind of this survey, which is just, it's not the end all be all. It's kind of like Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram. It, it's helpful, but it's not like, you know, the thing. But it's helpful for me that over the years, the primary, uh, as they go through, their primary result that they get is not a concern about guilt and about forgiveness, but young people's primary concern is about despair and meaning. They score pretty high in that category. They're asking questions about meaning and purpose in life. And I've known that. I've read enough and thought through enough and to know that that was gonna be the score before and that those scores kind of proved it. But what surprised me recently is there's a world called suffering and endurance. And over the years, this world has been creeping up in terms of students, not just choosing that world, but that's what the results say. And I was like, what's going on? And this year, this past spring, for the first time in my class of probably about 25 students, that was the number one world. And then all of a sudden it hit me. These are students that have lived through COVID. They experienced some kind of suffering, lockdown, loss, pain, And they're asking questions, how do we make it? How are we going to make it? Because we're all grasping for something greater. But at a deeper level, there is a longing for something better. To be truly human. 
this longing for something to be better is implicit and articulate in the groanings and suffering under which people and we live out our lives. Romans talked about this, right? The groanings. And all such longings, every inadequacy that life throws our way, Isaiah says, will be met with the arm of the Lord. Isaiah 51.5 says this. It says, lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. Heavens, the heavens will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants will die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. So you can go back to that slide you were just on. God will deliver. God will deliver. In other words, he says salvation's already gone out. It's a done deal. It's a sure thing. God's arm, he's putting all this strength into this. This is what God's doing in the world. He's taking that despair and turning it into meaning. He's taking that suffering and saying it, it will endure. In fact, there'll be flourishing. That's what he's saying. And then he says this in Isaiah 51, 6. He says, look to the heavens. Look at the earth. The heavens will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment. And all of you and I, we're gonna die like gnats. Now, I don't think what he's saying is is that one day all of this is going to disappear, although you could read it that way. That's, that's really not the point. Here's what he's saying. See the heavens and the earth and you how real this all feels. So much so that we would say this is the way it is. There's heavens, there's sky, there's earth, there's you and I. This is the way it is. And Isaiah says this. It's gonna vanish like smoke. The way you think the world is, is like smoke. It looks so real, and then all of a sudden, where'd the smoke go? The way you think that things really are, it's like a garment. I try to wear, keep my clothes as long as possible. I almost had a huge faux pas the other day. I put on a pair of jeans, I'm getting ready, and took my daughter to school. I got home, and luckily I came home because I'm about to leave for school and I reach in my back pocket and I realize there's a huge tear in my jeans all the way down my, my I would not, I've been walking around all day with a big hole right here, right here. I thought, oh, change jeans. Thought those jeans are gonna last forever. Nope. The way you think life is, it'll pass away. But he says this, 
And this is what I want you to hear. God's salvation will endure. God's righteousness will never end. This is the way it is, says Isaiah. Isaiah tells us this morning that if we listen and look, We can imagine the world differently. And you can live with hope. Because this is the way the world is. With violence and fear and animosity. And Isaiah comes in a word from the Lord and he says, no, this is the way the world there's justice and peace. This is the way the world is. There's scarcity. There's insecurity. There's worry. And God comes in a word to us and says, no, this is the way the world is. There's abundance and there's always enough. This is the way the world is. There's uncertainty. There's loss and despair. And God comes in a word to us and says, no, this is the way the world is. There's hope and there's healing. This is the way the world is. It's just this way. There's sickness and broken relationships and there's sin and death. And then the word of the Lord comes to us and says, no, this is the way the world is. There is resurrection and restoration. Listen, look, because in Jesus, God has brought about comfort and deliverance. In Jesus, he is making all things right. This is the way it is.